door. It's okay if we hear the washing machine. I'm just hit record. So we now need to make it more like a studio in here instead of just our crappy back room. Wow, some really uh, dark insights into our relationship here at the beginning of lunch therapy. Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, and I'm here, as always, with my delightful husband, Craig Johnson. Hello. Um, and this week's guest on Lunch Therapy is the delightful Poonam Patel, who is one of the stars of the show Special on Netflix, which stars our friend Ryan O'Connell. Um, who you also talked to on Lunch Therapy. Yeah, Ryan O'Connell was my first guest on Lunch Therapy. But speaking of TV shows, I was thinking, since we're sort of approaching the end of the year that we might have a, a good conversation here at the start about our favorite movies and things of the year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of you might not know that Craig is a filmmaker. Craig um, directed and co-wrote the movie The Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. It's true. And he directed a movie called um, Wilson that had Woody Harrelson and Laura Dern. This is also true. Laura Dern is so famous right now. She's very famous. She's going through a moment. It's a Dernissance. Do you have any good Laura Dern stories? Oh, she's the best. Uh, every story of Laura Dern is a good story. You know, I have a Laura Dern story. What is it? Well, when I went to go visit you on the set of Wilson, um, it was July 4th. And she was excited because the cinematographer of Wilson was, what was his name? Fred Elms. Fred Elms, who had been the cinematographer. He's for, a legend, by the way. Yeah. He, he shot like Blue Velvet and The Ice Storm and a bunch of my favorite movies. And so she wanted me to take a picture of her and Fred Elms. So I took a picture of Laura Dern and Fred Elms and she texted it to David Lynch. And then she showed me, he's like, she said, do you want to see what David texted me back? And I said, Sure. And she showed me her phone and it said, I am eating a hot dog with mayonnaise. That was it. <laughs> the perfect sort of Twin Peaksy response. And also Craig has directed a movie that you should watch right now on Netflix called Alex Strangelove, which is about a gay high school student. <laughs> well, it's about a, a high school student struggling with his sexuality. A bit of a spoiler alert there. But about we'll a sexually confused high school student. Uh, even knowing what the potential end of the movie is, it's still worth watching because it's a fun high school movie. I, 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 you, you left out one. True Adolescence. That's right. Starring my very, Mark Duplass. It was my very first movie. It's and Melissa Leo. Melissa Leo's in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I think you can find it on iTunes, I think, if you care to go back to Be Forgiving. It's my very first feature. So I was finding my sea legs. <laughs> you, we had just met when you were directing that. That was at the beginning That's of right. our relationship 13 years ago. Right. Um, well, anyway, so Craig, what were your favorite films of 2019? Oh my gosh, this is such an overwhelming question because there's so many good ones. So I was just trying to think of ones. There's ones that everybody uh, is are talking about, like Parasite, mm -hmm. which I thought was incredible. I saw that with you. That was and, probably my favorite movie. Yeah, of we couldn't stop talking about it, but everybody can't stop talking. And about if you that haven't movie. seen Parasite, I think it's worth explaining. It's about a family in Korea who's sort of down and out. They're struggling financially. And the son in the family gets an opportunity to become a tutor for a very wealthy family. And that's the beginning of the movie. And everything after that is pretty great and surprising. You can't possibly imagine where it goes from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marriage Story, the Noah Baumbach movie, I just thought was incredible. In fact, I was just rewatching it yesterday. It just launched on Netflix. It's a Netflix original film. So watch Alex Strangelove and Marriage Story. <laughs> well, what's funny Netflix about, um, original films. Marriage Story is an interesting movie because... You know, Craig and I have been together a long time, and I think our relationship could withstand the date night experience of seeing Marriage Story. But we were, we, like, mm. I mean, being in that movie theater, seeing that movie, because we saw it in the theater, it was kind of a funny thing because it's, it's not a great date movie. I mean, if you're, if you're in a new relationship, I wouldn't necessarily recommend watching Marriage it's Story. It's a pretty raw portrait of a relationship falling apart, but also handled tenderly and with a lot of humor and just so many. So much, you know, so many recognizable moments for anyone who's been in a long-term relationship. And Adam Driver is just incredible. They're all Scarlett Johansson. It's Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. I thought both Scarlett Johansson and, they were. and Adam Driver had moments that I was really blown away by both of them. And speaking of Laura Dern, she plays a divorce lawyer in it, and she's just incredible. Do you think she'll yeah. get her Academy Award for Marriage Story as Best Supporting I Actress? I don't want to curse anybody, so I can't say I that. think she might. I think it's a great part for her. And Alan Alda is in it, and he's great, too. That's right. So what's, what's your most surprising pick as Best Film? Well, I don't know about surprising. 
surprising, but there is a movie called The Lighthouse that I just loved, which is this crazy black and white kind of fever dream of a movie um, uh, with starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, who play these sort of 19th century lighthouse keepers. And it's just them. And the story is basically them going crazy in a lighthouse like I don't even know where, like Nova Scotia or something. And it it just plays like an insane Moby Dick art film, uh, but but art film slash horror freak out. So I have if no that's your thing, to see that, that doesn't oh, it's, sound good. it's 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 very good. You don't like freaky movies. No. You get too scared. No, it's funny because last you wouldn't year, go to you wouldn't go to Midsummer, which was another movie I liked this year. Well, last year you took me to see um, the Suspiria remake, and then you theorized that even though I claimed to hate it. That it was actually the movie that I talked about the most for the whole. You year. were obsessed with that movie. You couldn't. It had the biggest impact on you by far of any because movie it disturbed yet. me so much. It was so disturbing. It was like disembowelments and and body horror, but, but also crazy dance sequence. That is a that is a movie I loved as well. The Suspiria remake by um, Luca Guadagnino. I have a good that question last year though to ask you though about this year. I don't know if you can quickly answer it. I can answer it for myself, and you can think about your answer. But what was your favorite movie that you watched this year that wasn't from this year that you had never seen before? Oh my god! Do you have an answer? I have my answer. You go first. I have to. I'd have to. My think. answer was called The Bandwagon, which was a classic MGM musical starring Fred Astaire, and I put it on because we have the Criterion Channel or whatever the app is for Criterion movies, and they have this new category, just MGM musicals. And you know me, I love my musicals. Even Suspiria was somewhat of a musical. <laughs> and um, and I just was, I really didn't know anything about it. And I'd never seen a Fred Astaire movie before. But The Bandwagon, oh, it was directed by Vincent Minnelli, whose daughter is, a, is someone named Eliza Minnelli. Um, and it's just the most colorful explosion of song and dance and hilarity. And it's and sort of, if you like Singing in the Rain, which was written by Betty Comden and Adolf Green, Comden and Green, the movie The Bandwagon is sort of about Comden and Green. It's about a, a writing team, a, a, you know, a male and female writing team who writes comedies, who are writing a musical for Fred Astaire. And then it's sort of how it goes off the rails. And it was just amazing. It has all these great songs that you might know, like That's Entertainment. And um, I loved it. I recommend The Bandwagon. Well, I'll, I'll see it. You know, I was thinking about the Criterion Channel, which is just a wonderful way to, to watch... <laughs> Classic films. Um, and uh, I, w- I was thinking I something I saw this year for the first time was the original French Beauty and the Beast. Um, remember oh, yeah, I watched, watched that, that with by, you. Yeah. By uh, um, Jean, oh gosh, what's Jacques the director? Cocteau. Jacques Cocteau. Yeah, Jean, Jean Cocteau. Wait, is that Yeah, it's name? just Cocteau. Cocteau. Yeah. We can't remember his first name. But oh my gosh, what a beautiful, sensual, magical movie that was. I'd, I'd never seen the original uh, Beauty and the Beast. And so I would recommend it. Uh, I'd recommend the Criterion Channel in general if you're a film fan at all. I mean, it's just it's just a treasure chest of amazing little-known movies, world film, all of that. And it feels nourishing after like an afternoon of watching like Shark Tank and whatever else I watch, like to go to the Criterion app and Load up a fancy movie. Yeah, but it doesn't even feel, it doesn't feel like homework. You, you I, I think people have this impression that you know foreign films or art films feel like. But if you just give yourself over to them, they're just they're they're these wonderful rides. These kind of it's like taking a spaceship to another weird planet for an hour and a half. Well, speaking of um, films and television, is this a good segue back to our guest? It's this a week? little hokey of a segue, and <laughs> well, I'm trying to get us back to our podcast. A little awkward week. and a little labored, and thank you, director Craig. This is this is. You're I seeing, would I would definitely do another take. If you're this. seeing the magic of his process of how he gives notes, um, but our guest this week is Poonam Patel, and we have a really good conversation. It gets really um, intimate and personal. And before I, uh, start that interview, I just want to remind you, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple podcast, just by typing in lunch therapy. And while you're there, Hey, please do us a favor. Give us a review. Um, it makes a huge difference. Five stars. If you can, I'd really appreciate it. All right. Well, without further ado, here is, um, my interview with Poonam Patel. Well, hey, Poonam, how are you doing? I'm so good, Adam. Thank you for having me. Of course, thank you for agreeing to come on. Uh, I've been dying to come over to your house for a long time. Now, it's funny because I know you more 
really as a fictional character yes. than as yourself because obviously you are one of the stars of Ryan O'Connell's special on Netflix. Yes, I play Kim. You play Kim for which you were nominated for an Emmy Award? I was. Oh, how so was that? Was that? It was a- insane. Like, what? I mean, like, I started as a comedian and I don't know. I just like, that's just not something... I saw for myself, but it's well deserved. I mean, it was oh, so exciting when that happened. I mean, that, I mean, it was, we've you know, we've known Ryan, I guess, for like five years now. Yeah. So he told us about doing this show, and we saw it kind of every step of the way. But like watching it all come to life and seeing your role in it, you were just so good in it. Oh, thank you. It's like such. I mean, for lack of a better word, a special show. Like <laughs> right. I, I hate that it's called special because special is a word word I like always use to describe it because it's so unique and it feels so special to me it's like the thing that I've done that I'm probably the most proud of and like it was just I was so I feel like honored to be a part of it well what's so great about it too is it seemed like you and Ryan like the friendship that you watch flower on the show feels like it would have been exactly the same in real life we hit it off so hard like so Ryan's boyfriend Jonathan Mm -hmm. Excuse me, burps. Um. <laughs> hey, keep it real. This is lunch therapy. There's yeah. no hiding anything. Just let it all out. Yeah. But I, so I knew Jonathan because we had done CBS Diversity uh-huh. Showcase together. Oh, okay. And so Ryan had seen me in that. And then Ryan and I just like, he was thinking of me for the role. And so he just, we just met for lunch at, where was it? Sycamore. Kitchen. Kitchen. I ran on into La Brea. you guys there once. You remember that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I was by myself in the corner, like reading a New Yorker, very yes. isolated. And then I walked out and I saw you guys on the patio. But to be honest, if I had seen you as I was walking in, I would have been like nervous because you don't want to encroach on somebody's lunch. You know, it's like you guys oh might God. have been at like a professional lunch. But Ryan. His personality and my personality is so unprofessional. So <laughs> I feel like you can always approach you can me. Always like approach. I'm, I'm dying for energy all the time. Well, so, so like what I would like to, because we're going to get into your therapy session pretty yes. soon, but maybe um, as a quick backdrop, like where did you grow up? I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Florida. Wait, we're in Florida. Boca Raton, Florida. You heard of Vero Beach? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Oh, born we, and raised there. We stopped there on the way to Disney World. Oh, yeah. It's a rest, good stop. It's a great rest stop. It's a great Mrs. rest stop. Mrs. Fields. Yes. And now there's a big outlet mall off oh. that 95 exit as well. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> listeners, take note. Um, that's Bragging so funny. about Vero's outlet mall. <laughs> so you're from Vero Beach, Florida. Yeah. I should say I grew up in New York till I was 11 and then we moved okay. to Florida. Just in case people are writing my biography. Yeah. I don't want them to be confused. Stop lying. Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up there. And then how? How did you get from there to here? Well, I then I went to college at University of Florida. Oh, I almost went to the University Where'd of Florida. Where did you end up going? Emory in Atlanta. Oh, yes. The Ivy League of the South, they used to <laughs> That's call what they it. Said. I was intimidated by UF because it was such a football school. Yeah. I didn't think I would thrive there. No, I was like... You kind of have no choice when you're there right. to like, and it was fun while I was there because we were like winning stuff. And I was like, this is great. The minute I graduated, I was like, who cares? <laughs> I like, I'm not the type of person that like speaks about myself in first person when it comes to sports. Like right. we won. Uh, I'm yeah, a Gator. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not on the field. Well, there was Gator growl. I remember when I was in high school, yes. people would go up to Gator growl, which was like a tailgating. It's party. like the homecoming weekend ish. It's like a bunch of like musicians and comedians come and they put on this big thing in the stadium. Right. It's There's just too many people, but it I was like, it, it sounded like it, it sounded to me like a nightmare, but people are like, we're going to go to Gator growl. I was yeah. like, have fun. Yeah, It's kind of wild. Stay home and cry and eat rainbow cookies and <laughs> yeah. watch star search. I just, I was in, um, Vaughn's last night looking for a dessert, just roaming the aisles. And I came across those rainbow chips deluxe Ooh. cookies. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, I thought, what, what rainbow cookie? Oh, I'm are sorry. You? That was a very specific reference that I just made to the oh. Jew- Jewish delis that I grew up with had those like red, yellow, and green cookies. Oh, they're and, almost like cakey. Yes. My yes. mom would buy them for me. And I truly, when I described myself crying in high school and watching Star Search and eating those cookies, that was a very accurate oh, depiction of me. <laughs> I was crying listening to yeah. um, Brandy's Have You Ever? Ever. You know that song, Have You Ever Loved Somebody So Much It Makes You Cry? And I'd be like, no, I haven't. I haven't had love. I was like in eighth grade. So we needed to have just found each other. Yes. We would have been good. Um, well, and also the other preliminary question I wanted to ask you before we get into yes. this is like your relationship to food. Are you like a food person? Yeah, I am food. Like I. You are food. I've I guess always, we all are. On we some really of, are. Yeah. I'm obsessed with food. It's I always say it's like my number one joy in life. And like even when I travel like the only thing I really plan is like if I 
really need to go eat somewhere or mm-hmm. if there's like a restaurant I really want to go to. I'll make a reservation. Yes. But Sidebar, like, I saw your yeah. trip to Spain with our friend <gasps> Dory. Yes. And you like ate in these incredible Michelin starred restaurants. Oh, and we were out of control. So jealous of you. But we did like, like two in a row and it's like a 12 course tasting I menu. I couldn't do that. It was tough. I mean, at course six, I had to go to the bathroom and take a dump just to like make room because I was like, we're paying so much money for this. I like don't want to get full so quickly. And then we're doing like the wine pairing with it. It was like we had to lie down for the rest of the day, but it was incredible. That's so funny. It's like, I think that's hilarious because it's like these people and, and you know, going to these meals, it's like yeah. this glamorous, you know, it's like you're floating on a cloud, but then it's a biological thing too. It's like you're putting food into oh your body gosh. and it becomes feces. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's ultimately where this yes. is all going. Like your Whether orb it costs $300 of, or $3, <laughs> yeah. it's shitting out yes. regardless of what it is. I know. That's the that's reality. That's a really cool thought though. I right. like that. It's very humbling because... It was cool, like, you know, gastronomy is so cool because we're not used to it. But at the end of the day, there were times where I was like, but what is this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, there was, like, so much production. There was one chorus at this place, um, I think it was called Ineco. It's in Basque Country in Spain. And it's, like, a vineyard and, like, a Michelin star restaurant. And so you, like, have all the wine they're making right there. It's It was incredible. One of the courses... I, I'm a pescatarian. Mm-hmm. And so instead of a meat thing, they're like, oh, we're going to give you this like savory truffle or something. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm The truffle was the size of my thumb. Mm-hmm. They brought out like a three foot tall tree. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? And they're like, and this is your third course. And I was like, I'm so confused. And then you look through the leaves and there's like a tiny little wire with a little basket holding one truffle. Oh my God. It was just like, this is funny and I have a story out of it now, yeah. but I was like, what is this? And there are like starving people in the world. What are and they, we doing? And if they like watched a video of that, they would like- For one truffle. Yeah. But I have to say like I did, Craig and I, years ago, there was this restaurant in Spain called El Bulli or El Bulli. I've heard of that. And yes. it kind of was the foundation of molecular gastronomy. The chef was Fran Adria who came up with like spherification. Yes. And so every year there was a lottery to get reservations. And one year I- won the lottery and, we, and Craig and I got a reservation in, in July of 2007 I think and we went there and similar to you it was just insane like little morsels but it was kind of fun and amazing it was fun and you don't think you'd get full because it's like little things oh yeah oh but also the other thing was like everyone else in the restaurant was from there they were all like native Spaniards was know. this in the Basque country you said yes okay. this was outside right outside Bilbao okay um and like the first course, they served this like beautiful like peasant bread. Mm-hmm. It was like the perfect amount of like crusty and like doughy and like a little bit like when you stick your thumb in, you can see your thumbprint kind uh-huh. of, which I know like on British Baking Show, they're like, that's bad, but I like it a little <laughs> raw like that. Don't tell Paul Hollywood. I know. Yeah. Oh my God. Sex symbol. Um, <laughs> really? I think he's so cute. Sidebar. Okay. He's so se- Oh, he's not cute. He's sexy. Do you want him to shake your hand? I think he's just sexy because I want his approval. Mm. Like if he was like all over me, I might not find him sexy, but I think because I know he probably wouldn't like give anyone the time of day. Yeah. That's what's so intriguing. It was so funny because there were like all these attractive gay men on the Great British Baking Show this season. Oh, I know. Craig, who will never watch it, was like, I'm not watching. And then I texted him like pictures of them. He's like, I think I might watch with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's all it took. Well, Poonam, I think we might be ready now to jump into your lunch therapy session. Um, and it all begins with a question, which is, what did you have for lunch today? Okay, so my lunch was actually in two parts. Oh, okay. Intriguing. I, I was supposed to meet a friend at noon at this little like craft fair thing, and we were going to like, they had like food and stuff around there that we were going to have, but I got hungry beforehand. Okay. So at around 1030, I went in my fridge and I had a leftover half of a tuna sub from Black Hog Sandwiches. Oh, have you nice. been there? Uh, I've seen it. I've driven past it. I went for the first time yesterday um, and it was really good, but it was like a big sandwich. So I still had half of it and the bread was like very crusty, but like light still. Mm-hmm. And it was too, like olive oil tuna, some sort of green, maybe like arugula, like a soft boiled egg, mayo, and then something vinegary, but that might've been the tuna. Can I ask you though, yeah. this is at 1030. In the morning. <laughs> so do you consider that, do you call it part of your lunch because it was a lunch item? Or yeah, because it was a lunch item. It feels like it could be your breakfast. Well, it's like, yeah, I guess that was my breakfast. So 
Because then I also ate a donut after that. Oh my gosh. But what did you have for lunch? So, but that was kind of my lunch because then I ate again at like 1.30. But I guess the 1.30 meal is more of a lunch, but it was smaller. And what was that? Okay. So that was, I went to this place called Doubting Thomas. Okay. It's like a little coffee shop. And I got a slice of a quiche mm-hmm. that had sunchokes, broccoli, and raclette. Oh. And then it came with like a little side of greens. And then I had a iced hibiscus tea. Wow, you ate well this morning. I ate really good. So, and the do- the donut was an apple cider donut, but it was um Entenmann's brand. My, oh, my, I grew up eating Entenmann's. My, so it was funny because we had um, chocolate Entenmann's donuts, like, oh. and we would, my brother and I would have them for breakfast every day. It's a breakfast item, yeah. So okay, <laughs> so this was this is interesting to kind of pick apart yes. and examine. So would you say that today's meal experience was typical of a typical day? Like, would you have like leftovers at 1030? Would you have something else? At, what, like, do you kind of like graze and eat little bits and pieces? Usually I'll try and like, well, on the days that actually works, I'll work out in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then if I have stuff to do some days, I won't eat until like one or two. Okay. And um, I guess I'll call it intermittent fasting. So yeah. it's like excusable. <laughs> oh yeah, but, I love that. Yeah. But a lot of times I'll just, I just don't really eat, eat in the morning usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll usually eat. My first meal will usually be around like noon or one. Which is very common on this podcast. We're learning that people yeah. don't eat that much in the morning. And sometimes people don't even eat lunch, which I find shocking and that, disturbing. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, that is wild. If I'm on set, like if I'm working and we have like a super early morning, I will eat okay. breakfast because I'm also like, I need to stay awake. <laughs> well, for me, like eating breakfast is about getting my metabolism started. It's sort of like that's gets smart. my body like moving. But yeah. I... Um, I don't know. I, 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 also, it's like interesting when you get into routines that you just become reliant on those routines. Yeah. So now it's very difficult for me to be, think of starting my day without eating food because that's just what I do. Yeah. Or it's like when you're on vacation and stuff, mm-hmm. I end up eating breakfast more often. I don't know why. So today, so okay, when you, what, when you had the sandwich at 1030, <laughs> <laughs> were you like, I'm craving tuna right now? Like where you sort of, I have no, the sandwich in the I fridge? No, I was just really hungry and my plan was to wake up work out and then shower and go because Mm -hmm. the class would have been at like 10 45 i get home by like 11 30 i shower i don't have time to do anything even think about how hungry i am and then i go straight and meet my friend and we eat something at this you know fair we were at and what's the class um well i do class pass but usually that one would have been this one called Crux Climb. Okay. It's on a Versa Climber. It's like a 30-minute class, but it's so intense. But I did it yesterday, and okay. I was the only one in the class, and I was a little hungover. And so oh, I just God. like – and I got a high score because she was just staring at me the whole time. <laughs> that sounds like my absolute nightmare. I think I'd rather oh, go to Gator Growl than do <laughs> yeah, that. go to Gator Growl. Yeah, because exercising in front of someone while they're watching me, I truly I can't know. think of a bigger nightmare. Well, it – in a way, it's good because one, all the instructors at this place are like so nice. And this girl in particular, she's like so sweet and she's really motivating. Mm-hmm. So it actually pushes me more than I would have pushed myself. So in that sense, it's good. But then I push so hard that I'm like, my body aches. Right. I'm like so tired. And then today I was like, I should rest. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So is there a relationship between exercise and what you eat? Like if you, if you have a day where you exercise, will you yeah. eat differently than on days that you don't exercise or is it oh, all kind of the absolutely. same? So like, what would it, if you had gone to class today, what would you have had for lunch? Um, I might've gotten, there was like a kale salad on the menu I see. or there was like some sort of bowl situation, uh-huh. but Here's I have this other thing where if there's like only one left of something, I'm like, it must be good. I got to get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Last, like I did it with a pillow at World Market yesterday. There was only one. And I was like, not even crazy about the pillow, but I was like, there's only one left. I have to get it. It's a sign. And so there was only, <laughs> there was two slices of this quiche left in the little bakery counter. Yes. And they took one while we were in line. Uh, I was like, to my friend, I was like, Emily, there's only one slice. We should get it. We should get it. We have to get it. <laughs> and it's like, were, did either of us even really want a quiche? I don't even know. I've right. actually been feeling weird about eggs lately, but I was like, <laughs> really? We got to get it. It's the last one. So did you get it? We got it and it well, was good. It's so funny because my mom is similar to you. And do you know that restaurant restaurant Republic? Yes. And it's really good. But there was a period where they had this like chocolate cake with salted caramel icing. And you Ooh. had, and they only made like one each day. And you're supposed to like request it at the beginning of your meal. So you, got, you can kind of claim a slice. Wow. And so I was there with my mom and we did that. 
But when we got to the end of the meal, it hadn't been registered, so we didn't get it. Like, we actually didn't get the pe- – and the table next to us did. And you could literally see the smoke coming out of my mother's ears. Oh, yeah. She was so angry. I would have – See, I wouldn't have been angry. I would have been devastated. So here's a good I would have thrown myself on the floor. <laughs> well, this feels like, okay, if we're going to do psychology, yes. this feels like an interesting little pathway for you. Yeah. So what is it about not getting that final piece of quiche that gets to you so much? I don't know. It's like this thing where it's like, oh, it must be good. And I missed out on an experience. Mm. So it's about missing out on the experience. But is it also about someone yes. else getting that experience and you not getting it? Or is it... I'm not a super competitive person, so I don't know if that applies to that. So it's it would be in the sense of like if there was a total asshole in line in front of me, <laughs> right. and I was like, and this fucking guy got <laughs> yeah. it over me, like so if it was know, a little old nun and she got it, right. you'd be like, I'm. Fine I'd be like, actually, please take mine as well. Yeah, even oh. if there was enough for two, I'd be like, you deserve it. You deserve um, it. Yeah, you've sacrificed so yeah. much in your life. <laughs> you sacrificed sex. Yes, if this is the least I can do. <laughs> exactly. I can at least go have sex. <laughs> I mean, you're conflicted about eggs anyway, yeah. so it all works. Out. Yeah, it's weird. So I stopped eating meat like two years ago. Okay, and I was vegetarian off and on like my whole life, but the longest I'd gone was like four years, and then I was like whole hog literally Mm -hmm, into it and was it for um ethical reasons for environmental reasons no like i don't know what happened but once i entered my 30s like i just started feeling a little more turned off a little by little yeah and then like a year before i actually stopped eating meat i like couldn't bring it into the house and cook it Mm -hmm. like i could not bring rami into my home because i would cook it and i would smell the raw and cook it and then like I literally would throw it in the trash or give it to somebody. Like I couldn't eat it. I was so turned off. So, okay. I want to hear more about that. So did it evoke a smell for you or did it remind you of something or did it? It just like grossed me out. Because it was an animal. It was like flesh that you were smelling. Yeah. Or like just the smell of raw chicken is maybe one of the grossest smells I've ever smelled in my entire life. Well, it shouldn't smell. If it smells bad, that might be salmonella. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) It was funny. I went to the grocery store the other day to buy chicken breasts. I was like going to be healthy. And the chicken breasts I was looking at had like a red blood dot on them. You know, sometimes oh, it has yeah. that. And I was like, ew, red, red blood dot, gross. And then like I looked at the next one and it also had it. You're and, like, I was the next one, and it was sort of this reminder. I was like, wait, this was a living thing. Right. And it has blood in it. And that's part of what you're eating. You know, I just, yeah. it's like that cognitive dissonance. You don't want to think about. The and it's that- like, you know, they're like people in this country eat dogs. I'm like, we eat pigs. I mean, what is right. it's all... And I don't care what you eat. Like you eat what you feel good about. Cause sometimes I'll smell bacon. And it still smells good to me. Right. But I'll like, like I was in Argentina last year and I was like, well, I gotta have steak. We're in Argentina, even though I don't eat meat. If I feel like it, I'm going to eat it. Sure. And literally like my friend cut a bite of his steak for me. And I like brought the fork to my mouth and I literally was like, yeah. like I just looked at it and the thought of like biting into something fleshy uh-huh. <clears throat> just kind of like grossed me out. Fleshy because it was living or fleshy just because yeah. of the texture. So, like yeah. it was like a, I was biting through flesh. But you don't feel that way with fish? No. Fish feels like flaky to me. Oh, so it's a textural. But also like I, when I get sashimi, it's that is a texture. It's fleshy. So yeah. I don't know what it is about meat. I mean, look, it's, as far as yeah. like good problems to have, it's like, it's not great to eat meat anyway. So, well, this is, I, I, so I was already kind of like cutting it out and then I went to India for a month and okay. I didn't eat meat there. Cause it's just like, I was limiting a lot of the stuff I was eating there. Cause I didn't want to get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like saw the cows there <laughs> and it was just like so beautiful and yeah. people, I mean, there's some mistreatment, but for the most part they treat them really well. And like they're in the roads with everyone else. And mm-hmm. I was just like can't eat it uh, do they eat they eat lamb there or do they eat other um other so they meats? eat chicken in the south they eat more but a lot of the, like the predominantly hindu states cow slaughter is banned okay interesting yeah but there's like in the south they eat a lot more seafood because they're like coastal um and then i think there's still places where they eat like uh lamb right because i feel like i've made i've had like indian food that had lamb in it lamb uh, for sure yeah my dad's made lamb before and stuff like that yeah. so uh, this is a good segue into like indian yeah. heritage and so is your where is your family originally from india like your parents or yeah i'm i'm first generation okay. i always get that confused i'm the first 
person to be born in the U.S. Wow. My dad was born and raised in East Africa in like Uganda and Kenya. Wow, okay. But he's Indian, but there was like a large Indian population there. Um, I know Uganda from this um, really powerful work called the Book of Mormon. Yes, heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, so that's where you, so your dad grew up there? Grew up there and then there, his family moved to London. My mom grew up in India in the state Gujarat, which is like Northwest India. So both okay. my parents are Gujarati. Um, and then my dad went to India, met my mom a couple times. They got married and then they moved to London mm-hmm. and had my sister there. And then they moved to Florida and had me. And everyone <laughs> had really cool exotic birthplaces and I got Florida. You got Florida. <laughs> Why did they choose Florida? I think my mom's sister was there at the time. Okay. And so like that, that they knew someone who had moved to Florida. And mm-hmm. then I think they, they owned convenience stores like okay. growing up. They're retired now, but um, I think they found a business in Vero beach that they could purchase. And so. And did your did parents it. cook Indian food at home? Every day. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Now my we're getting mom. into the good stuff. Yeah. All right. So what did they make? So Gujarati food is like, Similar to some of the vegetarian stuff you get in Indian restaurants, but it's not like heavy curries. It's mm-hmm. lots of like um, sauteed or pan fried vegetables that are just spiced and seasoned really well with like garlic and cumin and uh, turmeric and mustard seed, right. and pepper and all that stuff. And then like a lentil soup or there's like this lemony soup my mom makes called gari and it's made with yogurt and chickpea flour and... um. I'm trying to think of the English word for the leaf that she puts in it. Like curry leaf? It's kind of like a curly leaf, but it tastes like lemony. Oh, so the lime kefir, kefir lime leaf? Maybe. It's like long. Yeah. Um, I think we it call it be. Liberty. Okay. So Liberty sell, leaf. Well, they sell it because there's an Indian grocery store right across the street oh, yeah, from yeah, here. Yeah. And they sell kefir lime leaf. So I wonder if that's Maybe what it is. Maybe that's it. Yeah. That might be it. And then she puts mustard seeds in there. Um, And then there's always like a white rice. But that was kind of like... And then she makes roti, which is different than naan. It's more of like a puffed up, mm-hmm. really thin tortilla. Did, so, did yeah. both of your parents cook or mostly your mother? They both cook. My dad is like curry master. Like everyone is obsessed with my dad's curry. Really? And I feel bad because now at, like as we grow up, like my sister and I just like aren't really interested in it as much. Why? Neither of us eat meat that much oh, anymore. So it has meat in it. So he's always like, do you want me to make curry? And I was like... I still don't eat meat, but then he'll make like a shrimp one. Oh, that's really good. Or so like a fish one. What are the secrets to his curry? I don't know that he thinks he's Emerald. He literally used to go bam. And I was like, okay, um, I don't really know because I've watched him. And actually this is one of those things, the older I get, I'm like, I should actually record him making it one day. Cause one, he would love it. He's like an attention hog like me. Yeah. Um, but he just like is so invested in it. Right. And like it's such a long process. And he like makes this huge mess. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're doing, but the end product is like so good. And I think what he enjoys the most about it is like talking about it and then watching other people eat it. Oh, that's like, so I, sweet. Like I think if he had to just cook it and then eat it by himself, like it wouldn't be as fun for him. So when you became a vegetarian and you could no longer eat your father's curry, was yes. there a part of you that missed it? I mean, did you wish you could still eat it? No, because I could still have the shrimp and the fish. Right, right. So So I still make you one. I'm very curious what he puts in it. I once made a curry. um, There's this chef named April Bloomfield, Uh who's not Indian, um, which is maybe problematic, but uh, but she had this curry. Food is universal. Yeah. She had this book called um, A Girl and Her Pig. And there's a curry recipe in there that has so many ingredients. You wouldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. But one of them was like pineapple juice. And like it was like all these spices and all these things. And it was like orange zest and lemon zest and lime zest. I have seen him put cinnamon sticks. Yeah. And it was so incredibly good. Yeah, Cinnamon stick. um, Adu lasan marcha is like... Adu is... um, ginger lasan is uh garlic and marcha is literally like ground up like green like jalapeno peppers or just like green spicy chili pepper mm-hmm. and so everything is like adu lasan marcha adu lasan marcha that's like you put that in everything my mom really? makes it and like she buys it all peels it grinds it up in bulk puts it in little squares like and keeps it in the freezer because like we just have that and everything love that do you do that at home 
I don't, but they, you can buy the little garlic and ginger squares that you keep in your freezer. Really? Yeah, they're like individual, and each square is like one clove of garlic, and it's been like chopped up and ground up for you. I kind of feel like I want to go with you to the Indian grocery store across <gasps> we the street should. and make a little video with you. Or oh something. my god, that would be so uh, okay. fun! I've actually been there. They serve food too. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was funny because I went there with my friend Diana, and they had bitter melon, which I'd never had before. That's my dad's favorite. But I wasn't prepared for it. Like the taste of it kind of freaked me out because it was so bitter. It's so bitter. My mom like almost crisps it up and spices it. Okay. But even then, I can have like a couple bites and I'm like, I think they said it's good for lowering your blood sugar. I'm sure it's good for you. I mean, it was just shockingly bitter. I've never tasted actual bitterness like that. Like yeah. it's a definition of bitter, but my dad loves it. Okay. So I'm going to now trace some of this yes. like background. So, yes. Okay. So Indian parents uh, that came over, started in Florida. You grew up there. You wanted yes. attention. You yeah. were the seeds of an actor. I'm going to end up in LA. And so what was in between Florida and LA besides college? After college, I was a journalism major. I worked okay. in Atlanta for like two and a half years at a magazine as an editor. I lived in Atlanta when I went to Emory. I can't believe we've only now just I met. Know, it's like the universe of... was trying to get us to meet this I whole time. I think so. Yeah, that is funny. A lot of similarities. Okay, so what yeah. was after Atlanta? And then after Atlanta, um, I moved to Chicago, actually, per my mom's suggestion. She was like, because I didn't know what to do. And she's like, we well, always like comedy. Why don't you go take classes there? Uh, like Second City kind of stuff? Yeah, like Second City and IO. So I started doing that. But then I was still working a nine to five and then probably three years, three, yeah, three years in Second City offered me a stage and I was like, great. And they're like, so you have to like quit your job. And I was like, what? Oh my god! Um, and was it improv that you were doing or stand up? It was um, improv and sketch. Okay. So the way Second City is, is like you do improv to create sketch. So right. we wrote all our own shows, which were a combination of both. And then you just run them. Like you take about three months of a process to write it, but you're writing it like kind of live in front yeah. of people and you get to like test out your material in front of them which was cool I did improv in college and it okay. was really fun and then we took a tour to Second City we, we, for spring break we all drove up there and we took classes and I'll never forget we saw the Second City show and yeah. this guy made a joke that was like improvised that was so offensive like shockingly oh. offensive but kind of I'm going to tell you what it was yeah. and you're going to very, be very uncomfortable but it was like a sketch that took place in a pizza parlor uh -huh. and the guy like opened like he pretended he was in the oven and he opened the door he's like look I'm a holocaust Jew <gasps> and the audience like gasped like I'd never seen anything like that in my entire life and it was so inappropriate I feel like I'm gonna lose like listeners I'm gonna get angry no I'm letters. not surprised but it was also one of those things like wow like this is like so edgy and so crazy and, and the confidence on that guy yeah, I mean, to not only make a joke like that but make it on stage in front of everyone like that kind of blind confidence you will see in male comedians sure of course you're and just the whole kind audience, of like oh yeah. you oh so you are immense okay well I'm I mean, not surprised that you saw that but it was also kind of amazing because it's sort of like the job of a comedian is to like push buttons and provoke. And, and then that's sort of like, he went too far because the audience totally turned on him and did not I know. laugh. They kind of booed him. But and I think some people get caught up in that. Like, I feel like a lot of, especially in my time in Chicago, there was like this obsession with being edgy. Yes. And I still don't quite know what that means. And I was like, well, but that's not what everyone likes in comedy. For me, it's like, I like for joy. So whether that's from doing something shocking or whether that's from making a dad joke, if it elicits joy in me and then I see it elicits joy in someone else, like that's why I'm in it. So like this obsession with always having to like push boundaries yes. and be edgy, it got to a point where sometimes I would see like this stuff in Chicago and I'd be like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not funny. It's not even shocking. Yeah. Like, I don't know what this is. Like I feel that way sometimes <laughs> on like t on Twitter or like yeah. Instagram where I'm like following like these alt comedians and they'll post something. And I'm like, I don't understand this joke. Like, and I'm I don't like, there's an audience for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's so funny. So you did that. And is that what led you to LA? Yeah. And then um, through that, that, like you know people from LA would come to Second City and see our shows so I got an agent through that and then yeah I got an opportunity to come out here and just packed up my stuff and moved I hadn't really like thought mm -hmm. about moving to LA like seriously but I think it's good because I think it's like if I have too much time to think about things it's like 
you get in your head and you're like, should I, shouldn't I pressure? Yeah. It's like, I literally decided and moved a week later. So it's like, I didn't have time to really process it, which I think I work well in those kind of situations. So when you left your parents' home and you started yeah. out in, you know, in, in um, UF and then Atlanta yeah. and then Chicago, were you cooking for yourself in these situations? I was actually, before I went to college, my mom taught me how to make like a basic Indian meal. And so like, I mean, after college, I was home for like a month or two. And so I was like cooking a lot of stuff. Um, I don't cook Indian food as often as I would like. Okay. Um, what are your go-tos? But there's this one that I feel like over the past year, the one that's my go-to is this like cabbage one. So it's like you shred cabbage. We put oil in the pan. Then I put um, mustard seeds. Mm-hmm. And then... You add turmeric, okay. uh, garlic. I have all of these things right now in my refrigerator. Oh my gosh, cabbage yeah. and green peas. Okay, don't we'll put the that. green peas first. I put the cabbage less. You can also put like onion or whatever, but it's usually just green peas and cabbage. Um, you can have potato or whatever. And then the turmeric, it turns all the cabbage just like beautiful yellow. And you just like saute it all together. And then I put some salt and this um, like ground chili pepper like the red not cayenne because it's not smoky but it's yeah. like I guess crushed red pepper yeah, red but not the kind flakes. you put on tv or the, <laughs> not the kind you put on a pizza sorry oh, not that kind no it's like it looks like a powder it's like looks like a red powder okay i'm yeah. wondering that oh maybe it's um chili powder. Aleppo powder oh maybe just red chili powder okay yeah that makes sense yeah chili yeah powder. yeah yeah that's a thing um but yeah it's so good and a lot of these dishes you eat with just like plain yogurt and it sounds healthy. It is. It was really plant-based growing up. Yeah. Lots of, I feel like that's why I've developed such a good taste for like plants. Like right now, like vegetables, lentils, beans. Like mm-hmm. I love all those things, which I think also was easy for me to give up meat because I didn't really ever develop a real taste for it growing up. Yeah. Cause we didn't really cook it at home. And it's so much, I mean, and a lot of those diets are so much more sustainable too. It's like yeah. the Greek, like the Mediterranean diet and the Indian diet. I and mean, there's certain cultures that just sort of knew, you know, before industrialization, they yeah, just yeah, sort of yeah. knew that like, it's better to eat like that Michael Pollan thing, like mostly plants. Yeah. Have you heard that? Like eat, I forget what the quote is, like eat food, mostly plants or something. It makes sense. Yeah. Like that's, what the earth is providing me. And to me, like those things are more flavorful to me mm-hmm. and I can like manipulate them more for me than I would to, with like meat and stuff because I just, I was so afraid to cook meat too that I would overcook it all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I, I a just, thermometer that's what I do. Like it's a, it's like a funny oh, thing. Oh, that's smart. You just stick it in and it just tells you it's medium rare and you're done. And it's like, so, some people, some people don't do that. And I'm just like, I I just do it. I stab all my meat with. Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause it's nerve wracking. And I yeah. think I didn't have the confidence to cook it. Cause like I had never seen people really cook meat right. growing up. I didn't cook that much meat. So I think the one I would be the most confident cooking was like a ground beef. Mm-hmm. Like if I was making like a spaghetti sauce or a chili or something sure. like that. And then I got a crock pot Ooh. and that was a game changer for me. So meat was like back on the menu for a bit. Cause the crock pot, I was like, it's cooked. It's tender. It's beautiful. I was making like roasts. Like a, I made my first pot roast. Yes. I had never had that before. Yeah. And I made one and I was like, this is amazing. You guys ate this all the time. Um, that was like exotic for me. Like meatloaf, <laughs> pot roast, pot pie. Well, I was curious because like, your lunch today um, was sort of Western in the sense of mm-hmm. like tuna mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, quiche. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So do, do you feel, I mean, in terms of your week to week diet, are you mostly eating like Indian food or are you mostly eating Western? I mean, is like, how does your yeah. typical. I feel like it's so varied. Cause I also like love Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I love a chickpea pasta right. as well. I feel like there are certain nights though. I really will just make a plate of vegetables mm-hmm. and just like season. Like the other night I'm trying, I'm exploring more with squashes lately. Okay. I've been always very scared to cook squashes for some reason. I'm like, I don't know. It's complicated. Uh-huh. And it's like, I cook sweet potatoes all the time. It's like, fine, you can do it. Yeah. But I got this butternut squash from the Atwater Village Farmer's oh, Market, which I know you frequent. I was just there today. It was my first time last week. Oh, I'd love it. Anytime you go, let us know. Oh my God, there. I will. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a great farmer's market. I'm like allergic to strawberries, but the strawberries look so good. I ate one. Oh, you, whoa. What happened to I you? I just get like, you can see if it's kind of zit on my upper lip. Oh, a bit. wow. Okay. I just get like a bump. 
She has a hideous, disgusting <laughs> zit on her. I'm just kidding. No, she, He's like, Halloween was last month, bitch. <laughs> no, 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 Looking like a witch. It. She looks great. Um, wait, I have, okay, so you were saying, so you. Oh, you, so the squash. So yeah. I made, I love making like these buttery marinades. Mm. And I actually started using like a vegan butter. Um, Marinade for the squash? For like the veggies and stuff. So okay. this I put um, butter garlic ginger soy sauce did you slice through the skin like? i sliced yeah i kept the skin on yeah and i just put it into slices but you can really hurt yourself cutting through a squash i think a lot of people yeah. don't know that this was a baby guy oh, okay so it was easy but no in yeah. sweet potatoes too the wrong kind yeah. like you can slice I your have. finger off yeah okay i think it's time to start to, okay i'm gonna try okay. to like yes. pull some yes, yes, yes. Like, so, so much okay. well i think maybe a, a good place to start would be like what I because what I, what I'm sensing already is like you're very confident, like you know where you come from, like yeah. you're on this had this great career, but, but along the way, was there any conflict for you about food and and oh, eating? Yeah, what was it? Oh my gosh, so I was really like um, chubby growing up. Okay, I was super confident though, and then as soon as I started like middle school, mm-hmm. I started like dieting a lot. Okay, and I lost weight, started getting so insecure. And then I would say from like seventh grade till maybe age 28 mm-hmm. or some 29, maybe even, I was like always on some sort of diet. Okay. Interesting. And it wasn't until like I really neared my 30s that I was like, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. You love food so much. And that's the one thing you are having this like guilt. And like, you have to hold yourself back from it. Like, that's just not healthy mm-hmm. that that's your approach to something you love that you can't have it. Right. You love, you love it so much and you're like denying yourself and you're withholding. And I had spent almost like two decades doing that. Mm-hmm. And you understand why, like it's, you know, like society and you have to be a certain size. I mean, especially when you're starting acting, it's like, oh, whoa, she's a big girl. What's going on? Yeah. You know, like, um, but then I just like something just clicked in me and I was like, and it really doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like if I just have a healthier relationship to it, like that is actually better for me than, you know, no carbs, no sugar for two weeks. Uh, you know, Atkins was a diet at one point. I was right. eating like salami and cheese. <laughs> oh, like this God. is not that doesn't seem healthy. good. It was like my parents' friends that were, I remember we all went on a cruise once and they read that like vodka was good for like, like and they were all like drinking glasses of vodka and getting was like, I can't. yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Well, I appreciate you opening up yeah. about all that. But I mean, one of the great things about special, we should say, is I mean, your character talks yes. a lot about that. And there's that great scene with Ryan, the pool party. Yeah. And I, th- I don't want to like misquote it, but yeah. You're sort of talking about body stuff and being yeah. comfortable with your own skin and, you know. Yeah. And like, um, I forget, there's another episode where she's just kind of like, you know, once you just own everything about mm-hmm. yourself, like, I don't want to say you're untouchable, but like, I really believe like sometimes or most of the time, nothing anyone says to me is worse than the things I've said to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, we are all so hard on ourselves. Totally. Yeah. All the time. And we are like, The things that we internally say to ourselves sometimes, I'm like, would you ever say that to your best friend or Mm -hmm. your beautiful little niece or your sister or someone you love in your life? You wouldn't dream of it. No. So why do we say it to ourselves? Like it's it's a hard thing to untrain like your brain from doing because we're just like used to it. But it's like, that's your body. It works so hard all the time and you don't even have to ask it to. And it like keeps you alive. And it's interesting like for you that like the idea of career entered into it because I almost feel like mm-hmm. you, you, you being so confident and being, you know, who you are is like a, such, such a calling card for you. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you know, nobody would want you any other way. It's like you, you are yourself. Oh yeah. You know, I feel like for me, it's so funny. Cause like I struggled a little bit with like being gay and like yeah. the gay male physique and like never being perfect. And very similar to you is like, well, I love food. I love, and it, there was some kind of weird click over for me too, where it was like, I can go to the gym, I can exercise and I can still eat what I want to yes. eat. And then, but I will make me more confident if I like, you know, do what I feel like I need to do to feel good about it. I don't know. Just striking that balance. Like chasing think, a feeling, not a result kind yes, of thing. Totally. Like I work out cause it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and some days what makes me feel good is eating that tuna sandwich right. and that Enemans donut. Great. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you gotta do you it. Have to, every day is going to be different. So mm-hmm. like to be like, and even with working out, it's like maybe it was about two or three years ago that I really like made it a part of my lifestyle because I was like, 
just feeling really down and awful. And I was like, well, at least I know this is something that physically will create things in my body that will make me feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, even if emotionally we're not there yet, like physically you can help yourself. But even then it's like days I wouldn't, I would feel guilty. And then it's like the guilt and the shame and the fear like defeats the purpose of anything. Right. Like you could guiltily eat one tiny cookie Mm -hmm. and that's more unhealthy than just enjoying a giant large pizza. You I know love what I mean? that. That's a great like, quote. That's going to be the pull quote for this episode. <laughs> That's wonderful. No, I mean, yeah, I think man, people are so tortured and it's like you forget like, you know, it's like cliche, but like life is short. It's like you, yes. you, know, you gather your rosebuds while you may. It's like enjoy your life, but just find a way to do it that makes sense. You can't overdo it, but just no. find balance. Yeah. And so many things about vanity are like so arbitrary. Like sometimes I think about it. I'm like, this is just considered attractive because somewhere along the long, so somewhere along the line, someone decided mm-hmm. that tall and thin or blonde or white or whatever was what is beautiful and everything else is not. Mm-hmm. But what if they had just picked something else? Mm-hmm. Then some other person, some short, dark haired person would be like, I'm the hottest thing in this world. You all suck to yeah. all these models. Like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it historically than right. that. But like, really, if you think about it, it's like, we're that's why like sizes or like the term even plus size mm-hmm. i'm like there's no actual standard like we're all a size 12 on me looks different than a size 12 on someone who's six two mm-hmm. like we're such different shapes you can't even apply a size number to all of us Do you, you know like the, the culture i feel like the culture has shifted though too in terms of like body positivity yeah and different role models i mean in the last episode early episode we talked about lizzo but oh, i feel like yeah. she's such a great role model in that way but i feel like you know people are changing the way they talk about that stuff yeah do you feel that way I'm- i think that, no i think it's like so many more people of different shapes sizes and colors are visible mm-hmm. and that's like the biggest thing because like can you imagine growing up if you saw someone that looked like you, that was gay, that was fully out on TV? Yeah. How seen you would have felt? Or if I had seen like an, uh, you know, a curvy Indian woman, mm-hmm. just to know you're not alone. Totally. Yeah. Like just existing on TV. So like, and then of course it's like, oh yes, of course existing and being like, I'm this and I'm that <laughs> is great. But even just allowing it to just exist as a human. I remember, do you know the musical Rent? Yes. So when I saw that growing up. I was up, like, ah, oh, no, no, Rent? <laughs> but I saw that, and this guy, Anthony Rapp, who is the star of it, like, was this like, geeky, like, blonde-haired, glasses-wearing guy. You know, he played Mark. And I had the CD, and I listened to it. And then I read that he was gay. And I was like, what? Like, I couldn't believe that someone that looked like that was, I mean, it was just because yeah. like, my impressions of gay people were all from like police academy movies yeah. where like oh everyone was like in a leather bar, yes. like mustaches <laughs> and, and hairy. So like to, to your point, like it is very meaningful to like be able yeah. to recognize yourself and somebody out there and be like, oh, there's a path for me. There's a place yeah. for me. Yeah. We just all don't want to feel alone. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's all we really need sometimes. But how old did you say you were when you said you started dieting? Like how young? Like were? seventh grade. So that's pretty young. Yeah. So where was this message coming from that you should start? You know, I've like thought about it a lot because I was like um, at one point, like writing a show based on like that time of our life. And I, and I think there's a couple of factors. One, it's like, it's before puberty. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, our bodies kind of still look the same Mm -hmm. gender wise or whatnot. And we also had um, the school I went to, we had school uniforms up until sixth grade. Okay. And seventh grade is then when we started to be able to, you know, show our personal style and wear clothes and stuff like that. And I started getting boobs mm. and a butt before everyone else. Right. And I was just always curvier than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then you hit puberty and I don't know what happens to us. We're just like full of hormones. We're full of so many emotions on such an intense level. Like mm-hmm. I have so much compassion for kids going through puberty oh, because it's, it's like worst. so confusing. Yeah. That's really awful. Like once a day you're like, what's happening to me? <laughs> like, it comes up like when Craig and I talk about if we're going to have children, it's like I can have kid, little kids, but like having teenagers going through puberty, puberty like I, I don't think I can handle that. Have you seen Euphoria? Not yet. I know it's supposed to be amazing. I don't know if that's going to make you want to have <laughs> No, I don't think we are at this point, but yeah. <laughs> so you were saying that so you were going through puberty and you started yeah. to feel your body changing. And I think you just become more aware. And then also, you know, you're reading 17 magazine and stuff because you're Mm -hmm. entering a teen. You're watching more TV. You're having more independence and more access to things that maybe you were sheltered from Mm -hmm. when you were younger. And yeah, 
movie, it's not like movies and TVs got better all of a sudden. It was just like they were just going so much harder into this is what's hot. Mm -hmm. And literally everything that was hot was the opposite of what I was. Like, Mm. even just like everyone shopped at Abercrombie. And I would even go into that store and I was like, this is for tall white girls with long torsos. (laughs) Right. Like I'm four, six and. 140 pounds like I would uh, what am I supposed to do here you know and were like, your parents supportive through this or were they yeah you know it's funny my mom always when I was actually and this this insecurity started when I actually started losing weight mm-hmm. in puberty okay as a lot of girls do you like hit your growth spur and like the weight kind of drops I also started playing like sports and stuff like that I'm not athletic at all mm-hmm. but it was like something to do I mean I'm a big jock so yeah like, you're I such a jock I don't relate to that but <laughs> such a <meathead>. yeah <laughs> he's actually like doing bicep curls as we're talking yeah, right they now. Yeah, they can't see. Yeah, I'm doing like one of those like stretchy things where you like pull the weight. Yeah. Um, wait, you were saying this, so. Oh, but yeah, like um, when I was like chubby growing up, mm-hmm. I think I was like always so like high energy and like singing and dancing and putting on shows. Right. And like, I think my mom literally has said before, she's like, I just never thought of that. She's like, when I look back at pictures, I'm like, oh yeah, like, Oh, you were really chubby, mm. but she's like, but in the moment, I never thought of that because you were always like so happy and bubbly. Right? Isn't Which, that funny where that yeah. comes from? Like there, that, like I've had guests on here talk about becoming really funny, like to stand up to bullies oh, gosh, and yeah. the defenses we build. You know? Well, I think people that had something that they had to like hide or go through, or like something that wasn't acceptable, ha- end up having the best personalities because mm-hmm. we couldn't rely on just conforming there's a show these guys wrote this show called title of show which is this amazing musical and then the same guys um hunter and jeff wrote another show and there's a song in it called dazzle camouflage uh-huh. where jeff sings about putting on this big personality to camouflage the fact that he was gay in high school so it was oh like gosh. dazzle camouflage yeah. and i think that a lot of creative like performery people Oh yeah, had that in school. I myself included. You know, yeah, it's so therapeutic. Because mm-hmm. also, it's like, well, if people aren't bringing joy to you, you kind of have to create it for yourself mm-hmm. too. Well, I'm yeah. so also curious. So that's fascinating. So it's nice to know that, like, I don't know if it's nice to know, but yeah. sorry, Winston is causing a riot over here. <laughs> he's so like sweet. knocking books on the floor. He's he, so cute. He's he wants like, to read. <laughs> I know. He's, he's trying to find a space for himself. I'm sorry. Oh, Winston, he's here. so sweet. There you go. Oh, no, he's oh he thinks yeah. he's going for a walk. <laughs> I was going to say though, in terms of the Hollywood of it all, has there been any like part of this, the you know, the brutal Hollywood yeah. system that's come for you, you know, like been like, hey, you know, on. I've been pleasantly surprised. I think yeah. when I moved to LA, I had an impression of LA, which was like, everyone's shallow and everyone's mean and they're going to tear you apart. And for the most part, I've worked with like really wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, special was probably the first thing where I feel like I was truly celebrated mm-hmm. and like written to for who I am and like all the things about me were celebrated and not in like a funny way. Like it's not funny that I'm like parading around in a bikini. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like sometimes shows either make a joke of it or they overdo it. And they're like, queen, slay. Yes, you're amazing. You're a goddess. And I was like, no, that's just another person in the bathing suit that also looks good. Oh, fascinating. Like, I feel like sometimes they like overcompensate uh-huh. for it. And you're like, that actually makes me think that you think that I need that much because I shouldn't be confident. That's really interesting. So have you yeah. ever like vocalized that? Um, I haven't had to, like, I haven't had someone like outright be like, ah, and also it's also hard to do that. If someone's giving you a compliment mm-hmm. to be like, calm down, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like at the end of the day, they mean well, right. like people do genuine, genuinely mean well in right. a lot of these situations. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I've the, I feel like more with sometimes you'll get an audition and it'll be like submit all ethnicities or open to any ethnicity. And I'm like, wow, thank you so much. You're open to all of us. And like, I think the thing that bothers me the most is like places want to be diverse for whatever reason, but they don't want to actually think about each person's individual experience. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it'll be submit all ethnicities. So it's like, okay, well I might have had a very, well, I guarantee I have a very different experience than an African-American woman my age in this country or a Hispanic woman. We probably have similarities, but to put us all in the same thing is like insane. Right. Or sometimes it'll be like submit all, all Asian. And I was like, well, 
we are individuals who have very different experiences yeah. still. So it's it's a weird thing, but I feel like we're inching towards something better, which I think is good. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's LA is a funny town too because everything is so coded too. It's yes. like, yeah, Puna, we love you and we love you for this character. You know, we yeah. just want her to be a little, you know, it's like the, the way things are said and the way things are kind of slipped yeah. under the surface. Because um, you're still, I'm, I'm still not going to be going out for the lead love interest. I'm going to be going out for that quirky neighbor on that sitcom. Right. But that lead girl next door, charming love interest is still going to be probably like a size two white girl. You know I what know, I mean? Right. I mean? I'd much rather watch you as a love interest. So interesting, right? <laughs> All right. I'll write it and Thank you'll you so star much. in it. Please yeah. Do. Um, well, so do you feel like okay, we're nearing the end of this podcast? Yes. We're not quite at the end, but in terms of your food journey, like yeah. I think we covered some ground. We did. Yes. The, we did the um, cooking. Yes. And did we get to you in LA? So like you here in LA, are you, how often are you cooking? Uh, I go through phases. Okay. So like before this past week, I went through like a week and a half where I was eating out every single day. Okay. I also love to eat out. I love that was the other places. thing I was going to ask you. Oh, yes. Obsessed. So what are your like favorite restaurants in LA? <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I just went to this place in Highland Park called Hippo. Oh, my friend, love it. Yeah. My friend Blair had been ranting about it, so we went, and it was like I had this like pasta that was I'm not going to print. It was like triangular or something. <laughs> it was like a triangle pillow, and yeah. it was stuffed with What's like a called? celery Angulotti? root. Is that what that's called? But it's a tr- it had the word triangle. In it. Oh yeah, oh, I don't or maybe know. it didn't. Pyramid, like pyramid. I don't know. I'm pretending it was maybe like a triangle or pyramid or something. Yeah. I remember that being what like okay, celery root. Puree. Oh nice, and then it was um. Brown butter Jew and I beg chives. your pardon. I mean, this is the second city and you calling me Jew at the <laughs> table. <laughs> wow. Is it Jew? Jew? No, I'm just kidding. What I did know. I say? Brown butter Jew? That's, that's a trash. <laughs> I'm a brown me. butter Jew. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's why I, I want a t shirt that says brown butter Jew. <laughs> Actually, that's so funny because, like, some there's apparently some podcasts where they say weird quotes and people put them on bumper stickers. So I'll be driving and we'll say, like, asparagus face or something. I'll be like, yeah. what is that? <laughs> and somebody will be like, oh, it's from the podcast. So we've got to do brown butter Jew. Brown butter. Oh my God. That's so. It's actually a mouthful too. Brown butter Jew. Yeah. Uh, on twenty three and Me told me that I'm three um, percent Ashkenazi Jew. Really? So I don't know if it's too late for me to take my birthright trip, but but we would, might be related. Yeah, I would love to cash in on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the traveling too. So we did restaurants, but like, and you didn't yeah. name all your favorite restaurants, but that's hard, and most people don't live in There's LA. There's just so many good. Yeah, but ones. Hippo is a good choice. Hippo is so good. Um, small town. Oh, I just I was just there. Very good. It was great. Um. What are ones that I go to a lot? I really, this is like not a fancy place. I go to that place, Takaya. What's that? Takaya Organica. It's like a counter service, oh, like yeah. healthy Mexican It's place. right near um, Gwen on Sunset. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm a, first of all, our friend Ryan O'Connell, I had been ranting anytime we went, met up to eat. I was like, should we go to Takaya? Should we go to Takaya? Just Takaya to open it up. He's like, we're not going to fucking Takaya. Like, stop talking about Takaya. And then yeah. he went to Takaya and he's like, it's really good. Oh, I was he like, liked I know. It. Oh, that's what, I finally went to Sweet Green, which was Ryan's wow. lunch on the very first episode of Lunch Therapy. Yes. Um, speaking of your lunch, okay, so now let's bring yes. it full circle. Full circle. So, okay, so what did we learn about you today? We learned that you made peace with eating. Yes. And so you ate a tuna sandwich and you ate a donut and you enjoyed yes. yourself. You got pleasure from it. You skipped your exercise class, but you didn't feel guilty about no. it. And, um, and then this also leads to the final question of every episode, which is, what will you be eating tonight for dinner? I'm actually going to a soup party. <laughs> where my, what? My friend and his friend, she's like a chef. Okay. And they didn't say what kind, which I'm like dying for the details, but I'm trying to be chill about it. They're making like four or five different soups and we each have to bring like a side or something. And so I was like, what do you bring for a side of soup? So I got like fried onion strings Ooh. and like um, croutons. Nice. That's how you put on soup, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping there's some sort of like cream of mushroom or like cream of broccoli, cream of anything. A soup party like sounds like, 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 a the, mess. well, no, no, it made me think of like, like the key party. 
hoodies like in the yeah. ice store. <laughs> it's like everyone. Oh, <laughs> did you just? I laughed too hard. I hit my tooth <laughs> on the mic. <laughs> but it's like the less sexy version of like a key party. It's like we're having a soup party, and you get to go home with a bowl of. Soup. I know. Wait, yeah. I'm laughing so hard because I'm like, wait, what if I misread the email? What if I'm going to a sex party and I, I just don't know? And I'm going to show up with a bag of croutons. I brought the onion rings, uh, the fried onions. Um, well, do you have? So you, you're hoping for a mushroom soup? You said, yeah, like a cream of mushroom or like even like a veggie tortilla. Actually, oh my gosh, have you been to, I can't pronounce it right, Thai Takes? That's so funny you say that. Craig and I have a running gag where like we both mispronounce it on purpose. We're like, so let's go to Takes. Wait, what is it? It's spelled T-A-I-X. Takes? And I actually think I read an article, and maybe I'm wrong, in LA Weekly, it said it's Tex. Actually, I've heard someone say that. Yeah. But Craig and I call it Takes. I don't well, even know what that voice whatever is. Whatever <laughs> the hell it's called. The French onion soup there is so bomb. Really? Oh my God. It's so good. It's They bake a whole thing of bread on top of it with cheese. Ew, so have you gone to Petit Trois before? Yes. The French onion soup there is insane. Oh, I haven't had it. Oh my God. It's like basically oh. like a, two sticks of butter, I'm sure. And oh, the beautiful. onions and the t- Everything at that place is two sticks of butter. I know. It's, it's so good. so rich. Even the omelet there, I was like, why is this so good? It's just an omelet. So these people are going to make soup for dinner. They're, these people are going to make soup for dinner. I always feel like it's a little controversial. Like I went to a dinner party recently and hopefully, the well, it's actually, I'm not going to insult the dinner party. It was a yes. very lovely dinner yeah. party, but soup was the entree. And yeah. I was thinking a lot about it afterwards. And I was like, huh, like is, is soup an entree? Like is soup enough? Can it the, be enough? It depends on the kind, yeah. right? His was red pepper. It was very good. And he also served a salad and he was nervous about it. So this was a very complete meal yeah. and he made a baked potato too. So we so had a So you need like meal. a hearty starch. Yeah. You can't have just soup. You need to have like, yeah, rice, bread, something else there. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> I just got so excited about soup. Oh, that's, I was laughing also because I think he's like, yes, yeah, soup weather. It's going to be so nice. And today, like all of a sudden it's like 90 degrees. And I was like, oh man. Soup weather. <laughs> Maybe know. for gazpacho. Because it was like not so cool and chilly yeah. yesterday, but it'll cool down tonight. I've been doing some autumnal cooking. Like uh-huh. I made pork chops the other day. I with saw. An apple chutney. That looks beautiful. I can send you home with some. I still have some in the fridge. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you some in a little jar. I would love that. Um, but yeah, it is so funny living in LA, like trying to cook seasonally, but knowing know. that it's like basically summer weather. That's the thing with the crock pot, not to bring it up again, but yeah. like I can use it maybe one month out of the year and mm-hmm. feel okay about it. But I need to just start using it. I think it, I'm in a new place. I just moved also. So I have this like brand new huge kitchen with like an island. Ooh. And that's really inspiring me to like host more. Especially on Tuesday, I'm hosting a pizza party for my birthday. Really? Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Wait, are you going to make the pizza? No, I'm ordering. I'm doing like a pizza tasting. I'm going to order from like five different places and they're going to range from like like Masa to like Pizza Hut to uh. like Moza to like fancy pizza. I actually just added Hail Mary to the list That's after the I saw that best. you posted a pic. So good. But by the way, it's interesting that you and your friends are serving five different things. It's like five soups yeah. on Sunday night, five pizzas on Tuesday night. It sounds like you're like in a, like a secret society of five yeah. things yeah. or something. We're like the LA version of the skulls or something. So you're going to yeah. order all those pizzas and yes. just the right number of people there to each have a slice of each. Yeah, you know, I was thinking if I could ask them to cut them all into, instead of eight slices, 16 slices, or like 12 slices. No, they're never going to do that. Some places do. But not like the fancy ones. No, like Pizza Hut will do it. because <laughs> Only because I'm going to order enough so everyone can have all of it. Yeah. But I want, I don't want people to get full. Why? I want them to taste all of them. Oh, like, you want, like oh. if I don't want them to like, you know, if masa is the first one, I don't want everyone to have three Wait, what's slices. what's masa? I know Moza. No, Masa of Echo Park. I've heard M-A-S-A. Of it. Is it good? It's the best deep dish I've ever had in my life. And I used to live in Chicago. Really? It's better than any deep dish I've had in the Wait, Chicago. It's the one that's just right there on like yes. Sunset Boulevard. It's so casual. It's so good. It's kind of cheap. They also have a um, croissant bread pudding. Really? That's served piping hot with what I thought was a butterscotch sauce. Because I'm a huge butterscotch head. Yeah. But it's a caramel sauce and a scoop of ice cream. It's so good. Oh my God. That the sounds... crust on it, it's like a ciabatta almost. Will you have a dessert at your pizza birthday party? Well, I was going to make something, but then my friend offered to make cupcakes and then my other friend offered to bring a polar pizza from Baskin Robbins. What is a polar pizza? 
Oh my God, I'm teaching you so much. Okay. <laughs> I used to grow up going to Baskin Robbins and I would have the clown like yes, upside, the upside down, down. Yeah. the cones his hat. Uh, and, and we used to go to Carvel and get the like Carvel With the cake. D- dessert or crumbles. On yeah, 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 yeah. But now, <sighs> so what's good. yours? The polar pizza? Polar pizza, it's basically like an ice cream pie or an Ooh. ice cream pizza. So the so the last one I had was the base was like a like um an Oreo, but like a softer Oreo cookie cakey base. Okay. Cookies and cream ice cream crushed oreo and then i don't know if the icing is vanilla ice cream or actual icing and then chocolate fudge stripes but they have like chocolate chip cookie dough flavor birthday cake flavor peanut butter flavor and what are you gonna get i'm gonna let him surprise me. Oh. Yeah. well that sounds like a great birthday well i'm very honored I'm excited that you came onto this podcast moments before such a, I, a big occasion i gotta start ordering pizza the minute i leave i know but thank you so much Pinham. this was really thank you. fun oh, this and great. was so wonderful all right well i'm gonna get you some apple chutney and then we'll I go to the wait. indian supermarket together yes. all right